The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. What's going on and welcome back to another edition of the Just Swing It podcast. I'm Chris, joined by John and Fat Baby Funds as normal. Um, we got a quick share for you to, tonight. John's got some stuff to do and I'm starving. So we're going to talk about how the market's been doing. Fat Baby will teach us something. And then we'll probably get into a couple of new stories and then we'll probably get out of here. How's that sound with y'all? Sounds good to me. Yes, sir. So I guess we can just right off the bat, we can, um, you know, we'll just get started before we get into the market with, um, you know, Fat Baby Funds, um, teaching about financials or whatever he would like to call his segment. He really hasn't mentioned it. Yeah, I, I got to figure out a name. But uh, what, what I want to talk about today is return on capital. It's a huge topic across a lot of more mature financially uh, companies. So essentially, once a company starts to turn a profit, a lot of investors really start to focus in on their returns on capital. Um, and really, there's a lot of different ways, there's a lot of different forms of return on capital. But essentially, what it is, is it's a metric like price to earnings or something like that, um, used to judge a company's overall profitability. And really what you're doing here is you're taking the profitability in the numerator and whether that's going to be your EBITDA, your net, uh, net income, there's a number of different ways you can calculate it, but let's just for now just refer to it as EBIT. So you could have your EBIT in the uh, numerator and then in the denominator, you have some form of your capital spend. And I think we talked about capital spend and prior quarters, um, really what a lot of times it is, it's longer term investments that the company's making. Um, so it's not the day-to-day -day salaries of a company or things like that. It's going to be the longer term investments of them investing in machinery, them investing in data centers, them investing in all these different areas that they can invest in. And so you take that numerator, which is the, how much money they're making essentially and divide it by how much money they're spending in the long term. And it can give you an idea of the overall profitability of a company and how the long-term spending is driving the short-term profitability, or if you view it on a longer time horizon, the longer-term profitability of the company. So this can really change the way people view companies. And if they, they're trading at a very high uh, ROIC is one of the metrics that's returns on invested capital. There's also ROC, which is ROCE, returns on capital employed. If these companies are trading at a, uh, have a very high uh, return on capital, a lot of times they trade at a sustained multiple that's significantly higher. A few examples off the top of my head are um, companies like Costco have very strong and improving returns on capitals. And as that happens, it allows them to trade at a higher and higher multiple. So not only do you get um, overall the nice return on your investment for yourself, 
But as the company starts to return on their investment, a lot of times their multiple can expand as well um, when they prove to have a runway for growth like some of these companies do. So for Costco, really what that is, is opening new stores. That's going to be their main capital spend. Um, and over time, as those stores continue to get more and more profitable, it drives up their return on capital. And the real crux of it is, can your return on capital be higher than your cost of capital? And the cost of capital is essentially what you have to pay to borrow money. Um, and if you can have your returns on capital higher than what you have to borrow money, that difference is just extra money you can sort of think about investing in in the future. So the bigger difference between the cost of capital and your returns on capital, um, a company will trade at a higher and higher premium. So it's, a, it's an interesting way to value a company. The, a lot of times, financially, we get lost in price to earnings, price to sales, all that kind of stuff. But for more mature companies, it's always great to look at the returns on capital. And a lot of seasoned investors are really looking at that. Yeah, it all makes sense. Um... It's kind of it's kind of the same as like an individual, I guess. You know, you're investing in stocks to you know make some money or, or get a return. Uh, the same goes for for companies, right? They they borrow money, hoping that they're going to make more money than they're going to have to you know pay back. And if they do so, then that made you know that made that investment worth it. And the more they they make, you know, the more they can you know put in, the more they grow. And then, like you said, as they grow the more that actually helps you um, make money as well. John, do you have anything on that? No, I don't. All right. So I think that's a pretty straightforward topic um, for this conversation. Um, John, do you want to get into a little bit of how the, the market's been doing? Um, last week, we talked about how shitty the market's been doing, but if you were listening, uh, John told you exactly what was going to happen. I think he predicted that we were going to have a, we we're going to have an up, you know, pretty good uptick right here. Now, what he said after that, you might not like, but I think he did think it would go up for a second before it, you know, started going down or whatever. But John, take it away. Yeah, for sure. This is this is pretty much right on um, what I have forecasted for right now. Um, so before before we get into that, uh, I'll go over the broad market here, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what maybe uh, lie you know what what lies ahead for the stock market. Um, so VIX right now is at twenty one ninety six. It is not so much trending in either direction right now. It's right around trend levels. Uh, it could go either way. Um, SPX, uh, the SP five hundred index, it's about the same. I mean, it's it's off its highs, but it's really kind of not signaling any direction right now as far as a, a price indication. The interest rate markets are, are all higher pricing in uh, Fed hikes. And crude oil is still bullish trend. It's probably the strongest signal in the market. Um, this is going to be one of the big factors that will signal... Um, whether we're going to have a recession or a crash with this holding up it's it's more and with the S&P where it's at and the VIX is where it's at it's more saying that things are okay as a price indication um, but we'll get into some other things here in a minute um, you have the US dollar it's off its highs but it's been pretty much bullish trend you have the precious metals have been pretty choppy, uh, mainly going sideways. Uh, gold is around 1800. Um, you have Bitcoin at, um, you know, getting close to its July, uh, June, July lows, um, but still just above that, but definitely bearish trade on Bitcoin right now and you also have the small cryptocurrency equity index it's also been beaten up it's uh, at its lows uh, since september and then you have the shittiest index that's out there which i just like to comment on it because it's 
probably the most bearish trend thing that we have out here, which is the small cannabis equity index. It's just trash. I mean, the cannabis stocks have been beaten up through the bull run, through the dips that we've had. I mean, just absolutely. If it, if anyone's got this on that's short, um, they've made a ton of money. I, I'm not one of those people. Honestly, it's probably the cheapest, probably one of the, one of the cheapest sectors in the market right now uh, that I'm aware of. There might be some other ones that's pretty cheap as well, but this is on its lows since, um, I mean, as far back as my charts go in right now. So just a shitty index in general. And then looking at the other volatility products like VXX and UVXY, they're not at all-time lows, um, so there's no, there's really um, not super complacency right now, but we're going to talk about some fundamental factors as far as macroeconomics that may influence um, our decision more than the price action here. So if we go over and we look at uh, inflation data and other data that's came in, things are starting to peak and stay flat. So if you think uh, for a second, okay, so it say for example, yes, we had a deceleration from high levels, from these cycle high levels as far as economic data that's been reported. Say it goes down, but then it goes back up, and we just kind of get this stagflation, sticky inflation numbers that just continue to say, well, that stay at those levels, and it doesn't continue to decline. Well, that would be the best example of what could happen as far as the stock market returns go, because you're going to have a stagnant market with the Fed hiking interest rates that would put more downward pressure. That's the best scenario. And this is something that we had talked about months ago is the Fed making a policy error here. But if you have, at the worst, decelerating data that continues to decelerate and come off of those highs, then you have economic cycle that is starting to turn bearish itself and Fed hikes to uh, slow liquidity, then that's you know, that's um, that's a bad sign. And if you see the Fed starting re to reverse, that's even worse sign for long term because that means we can't ever have high interest rates again or everything falls apart. And Fat Baby and I was having a conversation a few weeks back of when does bonds stop working? Like when do they just get so cheap that it's just a not you know not a good place in your portfolio? And we were talking about it starts working till it doesn't. There's not many more crashes that we're going to see where they drive interest rates down that bonds are going to be continuing, you know, to be a good play in this market. So I, I would think at best we have a choppy market. Um, most likely in, in, in the models that I've been building, the probability is saying it's definitely higher than, it's probably like 60, 65% chance right now that the market goes lower than the lows that we had just pulled, you know, pulled back to. Um, and what Chris was saying last week, I talked about, you know, we sold off pretty quickly and, you know, when you in, in any market, it's not just going to continuously go one way. I mean, you see extremes for a while, but this pullback was expected. But when you look at uh, non-commercial futures and options position, which we looked at last week, most people are still very long here. I mean, the market sold off with people being less long versus people being short. And right now you're seeing an implied volatility discount uh, versus realizing volatility. So people are not hedged here. Actually, people are, if anything, getting more long. And if you know anything, a lot of people are usually on the wrong side of the trade. So I would say with the economic data, and you're not getting really that strong of signs right now in the, in the pricing of markets as far as on a technical analysis standpoint, um, and one of the things that kind of throws that off is oil, oil being high, but I will say if the market rolls over, which my probability suggests that it will, if the market rolls over from here, then oil will probably want to be, be one of the best shorting opportunities you could make piles of money. Now, getting the timing on that right and not getting ran over in the meantime, that's a whole nother, that, that's where the skill comes in. Um, but if you can play that right, then you're going you're gonna to do very well if you short oil. 
Um, there's a few different ways to do that. Probably the easiest way for most people would be like an inverse leverage fund, but you got to be careful with those because they are leveraged. Um, I know a lot of people aren't trading futures like I do, but they are. The small exchange has a um, uh, futures index SMO, which you can buy and sell uh, the price of oil. And it, it doesn't take a lot of capital to do that. So you can get a smaller position that way. But I would say the most overpriced market right now would be oil if you expect things to roll over. And I would say your play here honestly would be on the long side would honestly be bonds. Um, we, we, I've talked about, and Fat Baby and I had a pretty long discussion on it, uh, like I was saying just a few minutes ago. Um, the bonds are going to work until they don't. I think there's still a place that they play a specific role in a portfolio. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I look at the economic data slowing, and say it just, con it just, it doesn't continue to slow, it just stays flat. Well, you have the Fed hiking in a, in a stagnant environment, which is not going to help anything. So maybe you get, maybe you get a 15% pullback. We, we touched 10%, but we bounced off of that. Um, so maybe you get down to 15, but say the, the data continues to decelerate and it starts to continue to go, um, you know, go south and the Fed's hiking. Well, that's even worse. We could see 25%, uh, correction, maybe, maybe even more. I, you know, when I look at my portfolio right now, um, at the end of the year, I flattened all my positions and then I started fresh. You know, every year I like to start fresh um, and I started building my positions back up. Well, this started happening and I got to about, I think I got to about, um, I may have been at 30 for a second there, but I started, you know, pulling back very, very quickly. I'm at like an 8% allocation to stocks right now. Um, when I'm looking down my portfolio, I'm at uh, about 8% um, stocks, um, heavy short-term and long-term bonds, uh, mainly long-term bonds. I'm at 40% of my portfolio, short-term bonds. Um, I'm probably somewhere around uh 20 uh percent and then i got a um i got actually i have more gold i'm super leveraging gold i have uh calls uh on futures call options on futures um in precious metals and um and yeah so i mean gold right here is another play i think uh, could go a lot higher um as well as uh, bonds and oil uh, will be a short. Um, that is something I haven't put on yet because uh, I'm waiting for uh, market signals to give me something, you know, uh, with that. But I will say uh, trading this week has been really good. You know, um, like we were talking about, uh, I think this is a well expected bounce. And I think most of the market got this bounce right when you look at their positioning, uh, like I said, with the options and futures contracts. Um, but I don't think this continues. And even, even if it does, it'll be short lived. I don't know that we get back to all time highs. And your high beta stocks are going to get creamed. Uh, technologies going to get ripped. I mean, it's a good thing that you sold Apple when you did probably, Chris. I mean, you might have missed out on a little bit of gains, but I mean, Microsoft, uh, all these companies I look to do very poorly in the next uh, quarter or two, maybe the rest of this quarter and definitely next quarter. All right. That was a lot of information. I I have a few, th few different topics uh, that we can get to, you know, kind of in the same ballpark. Um, I guess the first one, um, kind of with, you know, where the market's headed. One thing I saw today, and I don't know if it was news from today or news from yesterday or, or whenever, but I saw it today. Um, apparently the U.S. debt ceiling has went over 30 trillion for the, the first time. So it's kind of back, you know, when we first got to coronavirus and there's all been all this government spending and, you know, stocks were going up, 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 up. The economy was going up. At some point, we were going to have to pay for some of this. And and to, to what John is saying, you know, it could be pretty, pretty soon. Um, 
it's not a, it's to me it's not sustainable to just keep on for the government for us to just keep on borrowing money and keep on borrowing money like all we're do basically by doing that all we're doing is we're pushing any of the burdens that we currently have off on the next generation and at some point in my opinion there's going to be some sort of reckoning but that's one of the news stories i saw that i don't i think bodes well for your argument john was you know we're yeah we're and, and, and i'm not saying debt. that yeah, and, and, and you know, I'm not one of these guys out here that preaches for bear markets. You know, I'm very much, what is the market doing? And you guys both know I have been bullish up until one or two podcasts ago. I think two podcasts ago, I started to get iffy about things. And last podcast for sure, you know, I was starting to pull back. And now I'm, I'm you know, I'm really positioned for more drawdown and i don't know what that looks like and no one knows the future but from my statistical models that i've been you know working on very very hard from a statistical standpoint the probabilities are all showing that um you know we have greater than 65 68 maybe even 70 i mean percent chance that things go lower from lower than the 10% drawdown we already seen in reference to the S&P 500. But, you know, like you said, Chris, you keep kicking the can down the road and eventually you run out of road. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something to keep in mind here. The next thing is, you know, at this point for sure, I would think that the inevitable Fed interest rate hike is priced into the market. At this point, everyone expects it 100%. They said it was going to happen. I think it's priced in. The one thing there's that a couple I don't think actually can... priced in already. There's like yeah. there's like the almost one... 3 priced in. 3 um the... 25 to 50 um basis point hikes already priced in. The one thing I that's not priced in that again we you have to keep it what well, we have to keep in mind here if we're we're getting into things in the market as i don't think the full what happens after the interest rates go up like the full effect on you know all the sectors all of that may not be priced in so and i don't think that's a good thing you know i, I think like you said you, you could see you know we we could see some um you know pretty either choppy times or you know just you know, not the market just won't continue up. But um, off of that, I think the one thing we're seeing right now as well, especially, you know, we're in earnings season and everyone, you know, everyone's reporting earnings. I think it's, you know, this February is kind of the last month here. We've already got a bunch of earnings. We're starting to see, and I think I've said this for the last year that this is going to happen at some point. I think we're starting to see companies that are actually reporting pretty good earnings, but because of their guidance, they're like tanking down. And a lot of that, in my opinion, is due to, we went up in the last year or two years so fast and so high that no matter what um, a company did, it was gonna sound underwhelming. So I think we're, we're hitting points right now where, you know, two years ago, you know, the guidance and the numbers are reporting would sound pretty, pretty good to the market. I think it would be favorable, but I, where we had, you know, such a high, like, you know, run up, it, it was impossible, you know, to keep up and to, you know, just hit expectations. I think we're starting to see that now with some of these technology companies. Um, For example, today, PayPal, um, PayPal reported earnings, their revenue went up, the amount of volume of people using the app went up, but their, the guidance, um, the, the market didn't like the guidance and it it dropped a, a huge amount. And from that, um, companies like Square drops, you know, solely basically because of um, PayPal, but, you know, Square reports earnings at the end of the month. Um, I don't know how, you know, I think it's going to be hard for them to, you know, report something that's, the market's going to like. So I, you know, I think they could take a hit more when that comes, comes about. Now, if they do report something that's phenomenal, I, they probably will run up pretty, you know, have a pretty good run up solely because the companies in their sector, you know, the market hasn't liked what um, they've reported thus far, but 
yeah, I think we're hitting a point where, you know, the companies literally can't keep up with what, you know, the people are, are expecting, which in reality are probably unrealistic expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the deceleration of the company's revenues and the overall economy uh, is definitely not priced in. Right now, all that's priced in is the Fed hikes and the the current um, numbers that's out there. But as far as like the the acceleration or deceleration of the overall market, a lot of times pushes stocks one way or another, regardless if the stocks are doing well. You can have a company that you really like their balance sheet, but in a crash, the correlations of stocks tend to all go to one. And so you'll see a sell-off in a lot of things. That And that's when there's a lot of value and there's a lot of um, good buying opportunities when crashes come because a company, they might be perfectly fine in a crash, but the, it, the market just kind of sells off together. And they might be liquidity problems because there's funds over leverage that might sell your stock and not based on your fundamentals, but just because they may need liquidity because they're, um, you know, lightening their book up into a crash. And that's where you can get a lot of, you know, good values on on some stock. I, the the last crash uh, marathon was a, was a good example of that. And I'm not a fundamental guy, but this was a fundamental play that I actually took. Uh, in two thousand twenty, after the oil went negative, was Marathon was trading at a at a market cap below the value of their assets. They literally had more assets than their market cap was worth, and that's you know, you could say okay, well their assets was oil, but it wasn't like oil was completely going away. I mean, it went negative for a little bit while, but that was more of a technicality more than it was any. You know, it wasn't like oil was going to become valueless after it went negative. It was more of a you know a pushback of of uh, of uh, supply. You know, we had oversupply come in and we had nowhere to put it. Uh, that was more of a technical thing than it was that oil. You know, oil is worth something. I mean, obviously now we, we it's easier to say that now because oil's almost ninety dollars a barrel. But you know, when you have companies that sell off with the market and they have more assets or cash that was something else they had a few billion dollars in cash and they were their market cap was about what their cash was so you'd basically buy in cash and a company for the same as their market cap not including what assets they had and you know and you have a high implied volatility rank you sell a bunch of puts and you you make you know that's how i made back some of the money i lost in other places um but yeah i definitely think that um, people need to be careful here. Uh, I think there's more risk than the return or more risk than reward right here. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, the, the buying opportunity there, you know, if, if the broad market, you know, tanks, you know, it, it should be expected that the majority of the stocks within the market are going to go down no matter, you know, what they're, you know, economics or financial say or anything like that solely because of the economy as a whole are going down but from that you know if you do your research you listen to some of the topics that fat baby funds has been teaching on the show here you know you follow him on twitter read his blog and that sort of thing you'll be able to find value in some of these you know some of these companies that are only you know going down because of the the market conditions not because of their themselves as a company and I know we talk about this company all the time, but I'm going to bring it up because Fat Baby, I think, used it as an example last week. And that's that's Penn who reports earnings tomorrow. So let's let's cross our fingers on that. But, um, you know, it's dropped so much that they're actually, you know, their financials look pretty damn good at the price they're at currently. Um, you know, it, we're talking about a growth stock that's P.E. ratio is like 20 which is crazy low compared to a lot of the other growth stocks that are in the market. But that's just an example that, you know, you can come down and then you can still have value. Um, it may be years before, you know, that value turns into anything and some bad decisions may, you know, change the whole outlook on any, any company, but, you know, it's important to, 
you know, not just like, um, not just panic and, and freak out because of the entire market, you know, going down, but just, you know, do your research and find the ones where um, that should have crazy upside value, but are probably just being pulled down um, because of the broad market. Um, Fat Baby, do you have any opinions on, you know, kind of what we talked about thus far, current market conditions and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, overall, I think the market's really being driven by the interest rates and interest rate speculation. Um, I'm I'm not as bearish as John is overall because when I look at it, I don't I don't see the larger economic concerns um, beyond inflation. And inflation doesn't seem to me like it's spiraling out of control. Um, and peanut butter think, crackers are up to three something a pack, which is crazy because they were a dollar ninety nine um, a week and a half ago. Gotta go to Aldi's. It's still probably cheaper at Aldi's. Um, yeah, but you don't get gas. You don't get the cheaper gas, which is also out of control um, if, unless yeah. you go to Kroger. So, yeah, no, I mean it's definitely things are definitely more expensive, but I don't think inflation's a huge problem overall. And when I step back and look at it, I'm I'm still bullish in the long term. I don't see anything um, larger that's really got me bearish. It's about it's just about finding the right companies because, like you were saying, there's things trading at huge discounts right now. Um, and to me, the some of these companies, there's going to be the baby thrown out with the bathwater, um, and you just got to find the right ones if that's the game you want to play. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of interesting ones like Penn, like Spotify, like Square. There's a lot of companies who've had very strong uh, histories um, trading at their lowest valuations ever. And I, I, I'm bullish. That makes me bullish. So that, that's where I'm at. But I don't, I don't watch a ton of the overall macro stuff. So I could be missing missing a lot. And I think we're going to learn a lot about Penn tomorrow when they report their earnings, because this is kind of, you know, this is their first year through a football season, right? So, which I would think is one of the bigger, you know, bigger sports that people gamble on. So we're kind of at the end of that football season. So we probably about to have a pretty good, you know, metric as, you know, you can compare to others because they haven't, their book hasn't been around really really all that long at this point. Um, yeah, and I think one thing, if you're a new listener to the show, one thing to point out here is um, when Fat Baby Fun is talking about long-term, it's a lot longer than when John says long-term. So that, that's one thing to keep in mind, that John is a very active trader. Fat Baby Funds is a very long-term investor. So make sure, you know, when, when you're listening that, you know, you keep them, keep those things in mind. And that's, that's goes with, you know, listen to any, anything. You, um, so that's, that's just one thing to point out, but um, moving on from, from that, um, I had a couple of news stories I saw that were just kind of interesting to, to me. Um, one of them is really um, money. Twitter is really, really going to hate and all the dividend bros out there. They're really going to hate it. Um, I don't know if y'all saw today, but AT&T is merging their companies, the Warner, AT&T and Warner Brothers Discovery. So AT&T is no more. Um, and basically, if you own AT&T, um, all owners of AT&T will receive um, about a quarter of a share of Warner Brothers Discovery for every AT&T share they own. Um, but with that, that means at the end of that, AT&T will still have $7.2 billion diluted shares, which is not great. AT&T's been on a downtrend for as long as you can imagine. The only people reason people buy because they give an outrageous dividend. But uh, along with this merger, they're also cutting the dividend basically in half. Yeah, I mean, it's I a trash stock. with a passion. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot. We do a lot of work for AT&T and um putting in fiber optic cables and things and um we 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 our company doesn't put in the cables but we um we mark um where they can't dig and stuff for the cables and um and 
it, the job I had previous done stuff for AT and T, and they're just they're always a pain in the ass to contract work for. I don't really have any opinion on the stock itself, but I just I hate the company as a consumer. And and as a contract person, I think um, I think we lost uh, Chris um, just now. Um, so uh, I I don't know if he had anything else um, to add. I think that w I'm sure he'll come back in here in a minute. Um, do you have anything that you specifically want to talk about, uh, Fat Baby? No, I mean, um, I'm always down to shit talk on uh, T, um, just because Money Twitter loves it so much. And uh, it's just, it's it's a dying company. It's a, they're, they're not innovative. They've got a ton of debt. Um, they suck people in with a dividend. It's, it's essentially a yield trap. Um, but I mean, there, there are some nice things about it. I, I won't lie. Um, but overall, just people acting like it's a, a, a safe investment where you can just put your money and make 7% and the stock price is going to go up. But it, that's just not the case. Um, it's a, a company ridden with cash, uh, a ton of operating problems. It's, it's just a really mad company. And what really bothers me is people act like it's such a safe investment because it's got this dividend and it, that just completely confuses what risk really is. And it just drives me a little bonkers. Yeah. And you should never buy something just because of the, the cash flow. If, you know, if you buy something that is, um, you know, if you, if you buy something that, uh, that's falling apart. So you buy something to rent and it's caving in just because you're going to get a few dollars in the short term and it completely falls in. And at that point it doesn't matter, but you should, you should always uh, bring in multiple factors and reasons uh, for your investment. Definitely stay to your strategy and keep your position sizing small. What of that could y'all hear that I said? Nothing. It, you just went silent. When did I go and, silent? Uh, I mean, I said something, and then that was I never that heard was you, you, say you left. Yeah, you, you went silent when uh, John was talking. Uh, you went, you you dropped yeah, out when so, John was talking. Oh, but how did but, y'all know uh, about the AT and T uh, conversation? Well, we heard That's that, but so then how, I started talking. You know, I started responding. Yeah, to you. how much of that did you hear? <laughs> So when did, right when, when did, John was responding. So I so that's what I'm saying. I never heard anything from John. So I don't know when I quit basically. Because I just kept on talking. It's all right. We were just talking about ATT people buying it just because of the yeah, dividend. Yeah. So basically you I, shouldn't just base your investments on dividends. Yeah, so basically I dropped out when I um said, um, do y'all have any opinions on that? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I was basically okay, talking there, but yeah, we, we basically say it's a shit company. We hate, yeah. we hate talking. I mean, yeah. we hate uh, working for them. We hate hate them as a investment. Yeah, it'll be Burn really so. Yeah, that's good that I dropped out because first I thought y'all didn't respond, so I just like kept on going on, and then I realized that no one could hear me, but I wasn't sure if I was. I was still up on the screen, so I wasn't sure if I was the one since I started the meeting, if I was the one that was still being recorded or if y'all were being recorded. So I started talking about the basketball game that's on and all kinds of <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Who knows what's in the recording? No, it, it made me the host, and then uh, and and then we just but, kept rolling. <laughs> yeah, that, that's funny. Yeah, I was talking about how this basketball game that's on the Kansas-Iowa State is like the shittiest game of all. They literally just take turns turning the ball over, like up and down the court. They just turn it over yeah. back and forth. It's crazy. Um, moving on from that, did y'all see the commercials for the Domino's where basically they're they're begging people to come pick up their orders instead of ordering delivery, and they'll give you you know three bucks or whatever? Have y'all seen those? No. All right. So basically, Domino's. Are you just to pick up your own pizza? Yeah, so Domino's is doing a thing right now where if you just go pick it up instead of like if you for online orders, if you go pick it up, they um they commercialize it as they'll give you a three dollar tip for basically picking it up because um so they don't have to send someone. It was because you know back in 
whatever their earnings was. I think back in September, they were talking about how much pr trouble they've been having with the job, the labor force, especially um, with like delivery drivers. And then they went on a whole thing about how you have to be really skilled to be a delivery driver and you have to, to get the pizza oh there on time, which, which is crazy because the only thing you really have to ask at the interview is have you ever ordered from a restaurant and went and picked it up yourself and then took it home and ate it? And if the answer is yes, it's a, it's like, okay, the job is that, except you don't get to eat the food afterwards. You just drop it off somewhere else. Anyhow, I, I, I digress. Anyhow, they're, they're, you know, doing this whole commercial, you know, trying to get people to come pick it up. They're going to give you $3. I looked more into it today. These slimy bastards are trying to well they used to be like a three dollar fee or something yeah well but these slummy bastards now right. are trying to make they're trying to like make tons of money off the fact that the labor force sucks but they're using it as pity they're trying to use it as pity so you'll come pick up your own pizza but they're also trying to profit like humongously about it what it actually is again if you see the commercial it's going to look like they just give you three dollars off what it actually is is if you go pick up your own food they will give you a $3 coupon for you to use next week on an order. So basically, let's say you spend $20 every time you order from Domino's. There, so if you order from Domino's, you can pick it up. They'll give you a $3 coupon that you can use only next week on an order. So basically by doing that, they're going to, they're trying to trick people into coming two, wow. two weekends in a row and basically give you $3 discount off of two trips to Domino's. Yeah. I don't like shady business That's, practices where they, you know, it's kind of like a bait and switch kind of thing. Yeah. And if you read the article, that's what it is. But from the commercial, because we saw a commercial last night, I don't forget what we was watching. Um, the commercial, it, it seems like they give you $3 off, but I read an article about it and that's not what it is. So that's the only reason um, I even knew about that. Um, you know, speaking of dominoes, I hate dominoes anyhow. If I go to, if, you know, growing up, and my parents were like, we're getting Domino's for dinner. I always got like a steak sub or something. I hate the pizza. Um, what's your guys' favorite chain pizza restaurant? Like shitty chain. Not Don't give me like Hungry Howie's or whatever. It's beside the UPS store, John. Like actual, you know, your typical <laughs> national pizza chains. Which ones do we like the best? I mean, I like Papa John's. Yeah, Papa John's is my favorite too. It it is not as good ever since Papa John is involved, but that's beside the point. But no, I, I like Papa John's the best. I don't even mind Little Caesars for the cost. I think cost to money ratio. It's I think it's pretty good. Hey, hey there's a there's a uh, there's a coupon you can use. Like it's uh, thirty percent off. Papa John's is putting thirty off, and you don't have to go to Little Caesars anymore. <laughs> Well, we don't go to Little Caesar anyhow. We just get, I mean, we do Papa John's. They always have some kind of deals. I like them one things they have. No, I'm just saying I'm always trying to get the cheap thing too, but definitely Papa John's. Well, I wasn't even talking about it just being cheap. I, I was just saying like for the price, it's it's pretty, like I would take a Little Caesars over oh, Domino's. Yeah. Domino's. I hate Pizza Hut too. Gotcha. It may be worse than Domino's. What you uh, got, Fat Baby? The Do you guys have uh, Papa Papa Murphy's? No. Oh, it's the best. It's, no, I so it's steak and bake pizza. So you, you you just go pick it up and you make it in your own house, but it's so much better. It's like five dollars for like this massive, like delicious pizza. It's just it's so much better than all the others. Yeah. Yeah, they have them. I know, I know they had them in Ohio, they had them in Wisconsin. I've seen them sort of all over the midwest i don't know how Ohio must be the 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 farthest it goes because i've never even heard of it do y'all yeah, no. um, do y'all have uh, Mar marco's or whatever it's called here is pretty good do y'all um have a my pie have you ever heard of that no no uh, we have one here um and basically it's pretty cool the pizza quality is just man but it it's pretty cool. You, it's it's kind of like Subway. You go in, and it's like a personal pan pizza, and it's you just go down the line and tell them what you, what you want on it, and then they stick it in like a, a brick oven, and it's it comes out. It's kind of like fast food pizza, but like pretty pretty good, and you can just get whatever you um, whatever you want on it. So that those are pretty cool. 
let's see. I thought I had one more thing, but I forget. Oh, back to the, the cannabis stock. Yeah, the one, John was talking about how bad they are. The one thing that worries me, and I'm going to compare it to the gambling companies a little bit, is I think the weed companies are going, at least at the beginning, I think they, they're going to end up getting really diluted down, as in, you know, every dad, brother, and sister is going to have their own shop where it's like there's not really, you know, they're obviously they're going to be large companies, but I think it's going, you know, these mom and pop operations are really going to, you know, hurt that because just hanging out with my dad, um, dad, some we, he knows like three or four different people just in Virginia that owns, you know, marijuana farms at, at this point. So, you know, just hearing that to me, you know, I, I'm, I would worry that's going to get diluted down. And as compared to gambling stocks, where I actually think they're going to weed some out, some of them's not going to be able to keep up and, and, you know, fall to the wayside. Um, yeah, but that's all I have on the stock market. Um, We'll get into our they're gonna actual, be weeded out. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, that's on the gambling stocks, but I think I think by the time it's over, there'll be maybe four or five yeah. of real like competitors in the gambling space. Um, but yeah, for sure. Um yeah, that's like Bitcoin. That's like the uh shit coins too. Uh, it'll narrow itself down, but what what shall's um before we get out of here and we can talk about it next week because we got another week about our actual predictions for the game but what do y'all think about the Super Bowl matchup? I'm gonna take the Rams. I yeah, I'll take the Rams. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I hate the Rams. I don't want to root for the Rams, which I think me and Fat Baby had a conversation about this the other day. Mm-hmm. I would like Matthew Stafford to win a Super Bowl, but not at the expense of having to root for the Rams. So. I also hate Sean McVay with the passion, but that's a different point. I just he's a good coach, but he's substantially overrated. That game, that game on Sunday, if they lose that game, he's like largely to blame. Those were some horrendous, horrendous challenge calls. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a pretty good coach. I, I agree. Like, I think he's a coach. It's I like just, Andy Reid. He just like a lot of these offensive gurus, they're just they're offensive gurus, but not not the managing of the game. It's trash. Yeah. Well, I still think he's a pretty, uh, you know, one of the better coaches in the league. I just think, you know, a lot of people see him as, like, the best coach in the league. I, I think so many people – I think what, what his problem is, you know, everyone's been, you know, to put it nicely, he's been sucking his dick since he's gotten in the league. And so – I think he has this, you know, too high of confidence where he thinks whatever he thinks that's correct. So like the challenge calls, I think in his head, he's, he saw something, he's like, okay, it's gotta be this. And without thinking the fact that, you know, maybe it's not, I, I think he's got a little, you know, a little, you know, big headed. I actually think Kyle Shanahan's a better coach, but that's beside the point. Uh, I don't know. I like Shanahan. I think Shanahan's uh really good offensive guru but like they like jimmy g i love was okay we're not gonna talk about jimmy yeah but they stick to the they stick to the game plan right yeah but jimmy g is like trash now so like i think shanahan's a good like play caller and he he comes up with some really good plays and you can see the way he's using devo like is very smart i don't know if in the long term if i was a debo fanboy that's the way i'd want him used just because they're they're having him be a running back yeah so it that's the we talked about this during fantasy them using him as a running back has in my opinion drastically took away from him catching the ball because sometimes they line him up in the backfield on pass and now you got to pass it because you can't run it every time he's in the backfield now he's not in the route at all so you're basically cutting all his actual receiving time out. Actually, I, I really like Jimmy G. He's a he's a winner. I don't think he's been that bad. I think people he's know, sort of been trashed. Two playoffs, the like they, they never did anything against the Packers, and they only won because the Packers special teams sucked. Yeah, but the, he, was, but the he was pretty bad. Yeah, but I, I but the the point I'll bring up on Jimmy G is he has since he since he's been a starter, he has 
he's been a winner. So to, in my, if I was a fan of team, I don't care what it looks like if we win games. And Jimmy G's winning percentage is very, very, very high. Yeah, I mean, he's a starter in the league. Just, no just about, so, so even that game, he didn't play great, uh, but he, he played, the 49ers don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. They need him to, you know, make certain plays. Even in that game, let's say, and there's tons of plays throughout the game, so this ain't the only reason they lost. Let's say that guy catches that interception right there. The game is probably pretty close to over. If that happens, Jimmy G's been to as many Super Bowls as Patrick Mahomes in the last three years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like, I don't know. So, 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 for example, Jimmy G would be terrible for the Rams. So, if Jimmy G played for the Rams or the Buccaneers, he'd be terrible. If Jimmy G played for the 49ers or the Colts or a team like that, you win a lot of football games with Jimmy G. Yeah, I don't know. I think Carson Wentz is a lot better than Jimmy. I, G. I agree. No, I do too. But I think you he wins games. Yeah, what, but Jimmy like the Colts were still nine and seven or whatever with Carson yeah. Wentz. No, I, I agree. And I, I'll six and ten, six and eleven with uh, Jimmy G no. as their quarterback. No, I think if Jimmy, I think we're about the same if Jimmy G was a quarterback this year. Carson Wentz gave some games away that I don't think Jimmy G would have gave away. So I mean, Jimmy G, G gave a lot of games away this year. I don't, think he gave, I don't think he drastically gave that many. There's games where he, he played bad. I'm talking like there was games this year that were, was one that Carson Wentz, like, gave away. So, yeah. in reality, in my opinion, we were 9-7 and seven or whatever. If you look at the actual games, Carson, the record should have been a lot better. But, you know, one play, two plays here, and – the whole game's different. Like both Titans, well, the one Titans game wasn't his fault. That was the, Rick, the other guy. But the second Titans game, he he literally gave it away. That's a win that's not on the table. But no, I like Carson Wentz fine, but I, I, I do like Jimmy G. I think people give him a harder time than than he should get. But that's beside the point. Well, we'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. We got a whole whole other week. We'll, we'll, we can dive in, into it some more um, next week. Um, but with that, Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you're not doing so yet, follow us on Twitter at Swinging It. You can follow Fat Baby Funds at Fat Baby Funds, and he has a financial blog that if you're not reading, um, you probably already missed out on a bunch of stuff. I'm sure you can catch up. So definitely um, look at that, and we'll talk to you guys next weekend. All right. Thanks, everyone.